for 30 plus years. I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 119, and I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. Today, my guest is Rachel Macy Stafford. Rachel is the New York Times bestselling author of Hands Free Mama, Hands Free Life, Only Love Today, and her latest book, Live Love Now. Rachel's work has been featured on CNN, Good Morning America, Global News, Time, Fox News, as well as in hundreds of other online and print publications. Her blog, Hands Free Mama, currently averages 1 million visitors a month. Rachel loves taking long walks, baking, and volunteering with homeless cats and nursing home residents. Rachel lives in the South with her husband and two daughters who inspire her daily. As always, I'll share my points to ponder with you so you can start using them right away. And remember, don't just download the episodes, click subscribe, because I need you to join my parenting revolution. And every new episode will automatically show up in your subscribe list. I promise you won't regret it. Also, remember, write me a review on iTunes and let me know what you think of the podcast. We're not only on iTunes, but the PGK podcast is also available in the Google Play Store and on Stitcher. So no matter where you get your podcast, subscribe today so you won't miss a single episode. So parents, thanks for listening. This is episode number 119. Stay with us. I want you now to listen in on a conversation I had with Rachel Macy Stafford. I know you're really going to enjoy this one. Rachel, thanks so much for joining me today on Parenting Great Kids. I'm so happy to be here. You have a fabulous book, Live Love Now, Relieve Pressure and Find Real Connection with Our Kids. What parent would not want to read that? (laughs) You know, seriously, yeah, and Um, it helps me with my grandkids because my kids are all grown. Yeah, you know, as we were talking before the podcast started, our hearts, your heart and my heart, are to really help parents um, understand who their kids are because a lot of parents, I think, think they know their kids well, and this was Mm -hmm. true for me with my kids, and and it's still true they're adults, and we see what they show to us and yet what is happening in their mind and their hearts can be very distant from what Mm -hmm. we know and so you go through all of that in your book and one of my deepest concerns about the emotional mental health of our kids has been loneliness feeling unaccepted and and believing or feeling that no one really has enough time for them and I think that's a reality I think kids just don't have they're not experienced that anybody really has enough time for this so how do you address those issues right out of the chute what I feel like gave me a lot of credibility going into this conversation about what kids today are saying they need Mm -hmm. because it's very different than what we needed just because everything's changed and 
So I talked to hundreds and hundreds of teenagers um, and I did what I call the index card exercise. Mm -hmm. And I simply passed out an index card and I said, if you could give the world one message, what would it be? Mm -hmm. And I had shared before I did that, I had shared very vulnerably about a lot of the struggles that I have had in my life um, with distraction and technology, uh, too much technology and self-worth issues. And so I'd been very honest with them. So they surprisingly shared a lot of painful truths on these cards and they didn't have to write their name. So that was kind of nice. It kind of opened that up. Mm -hmm. But I heard from teenagers over and over that idea of I have to be someone that I'm not in order to be accepted. Mm -hmm. And what you were saying earlier really resonated with me because I feel like a lot of kids are just being who they think they're supposed to be or who they think mom or dad wants them to be. And it's not true to who they really are. And as you know, through your work, what happens when you are not living your truest, most authentic self is you don't feel worthy. Right. You you lose your purpose. Yeah. And so that's where I begin the book is with the index card exercises, their actual words. So parents can read that and go, let me just consider that this might be my child saying, my mom and dad don't really know who I am. And if I tell them I'm afraid I'll lose their love. Right. Now, I remember when I was growing up, I I really didn't feel that way. You know, I as a matter of fact, um, I, you know, I did things at school. I did okay in school. I did pretty well in college. I wanted to go to medical school. My dad was a physician. He never said, this is really important. You need to do this. This is, mm-hmm. I, you know, my mom was home. She started dinner at 10 o'clock in the morning, you know, it, life just was simple. And, yeah. and, and I, and I felt pretty good about the fact that I, I, I didn't feel pressure for my parents to do things. Of course, I didn't have a cell phone. Anybody who called the house, right. um, everybody else knew who was calling you. So that was, I couldn't live in my own world, which I think a lot of kids do today. Yeah. And, and I, and I, I know exactly what you're talking about because a lot of what I tell parents is, please, please, please don't keep applauding your kids' performance. Talk about their character. What has happened over the past 20 years where we've gotten to this point where kids feel like little marionettes? They feel like they need to jump through all of these hoops or they won't be accepted and loved by their parents. Where did it come from? Well, I think that because everything is so public now Mm -hmm. and that, that comparison trap really gets people in a lot of trouble because you're you're watching on social media you know we're so connected we know what's going on in everybody's lives everyone's saying well this is what my child's doing and you're sitting over there going well i really want to let my child be who they are and yeah they might be gravitating toward dance and i want them to gravitate towards sports or maybe they have want nothing to do with sports but i want to keep up with everybody so what i talk about in my book is to really take a hard in inward look at yourself as a parent and say what 
are my motivations for forcing them on a path that they don't even want to go down? And have you have you really listened to what they are saying? Because time and time again, teenagers were telling me, I just want to be a kid. Mm-hmm. There is no time to breathe. Yeah. And I don't think they're getting the chance to tell their parents. And if they are, there's a lot of parents who are not listening mm-hmm. because it's all about them. You know, and I, I'm guilty of that. I'm I was guilty of forcing my child when when she was younger to do things that were not true to who she was. And I saw the dimming light in her eyes. And Mm -hmm. I thought, I don't want my child to grow up hiding who she really is. And, And I talk a lot about my own transformation and it was painful, but she's 13 now and she's healthy. She's happy. She's confident in who she is. And she's not who I wanted her to be. She's better than that because she's who she wants to be. Is she the one who wants to go to Africa? So, so that's a 16 year old. Um, and she did go to Africa. So she, she, she made her dream a, a reality. And again, another life changing moment to be able to say, this is what I want to do. And, you know, at the same time, she was dreaming about going to Africa and connecting with people. She was struggling in school. And when we base our worth or when our children base their worth on their grades and their performance, they can say, oh, I'm getting a D in this class. I must be dumb mm-hmm. or I'm a failure. But while Natalie was struggling in school, she was planning this trip um, to connect, like I said, with with children in Africa. And she was finding that she was very, very capable finding out, you know, what vac- vaccinations she needed. She was studying the history of Rwanda. Mm-hmm. So in that same moment that she felt like a failure in school, she felt like, wait a second, I'm more than my grades. Mm -hmm. I'm more than what this score says. So we need kids to have these meaningful measures of success and worth that is not tied to school. Mm -hmm. You know, you're absolutely right. As you were talking, um, I can hear parents thinking a couple of things. Well, um, I, I, I understand what you're saying, and I know that sports and academics don't define a person, and I tell my kids all the time, just go have fun. But then mm-hmm. they go and they show up to practices and, and to games, and they stand there on the sidelines, and they're just exuberant. They, they clap, they cheer, they get upset if the kid does. I mean, we've all seen them at games. And you can say whatever you want to your child, but if your behavior and your actions and your deep mm. belief um, doesn't, doesn't line up with that, they're yeah. gonna know, they know how you really feel. I've also seen parents whose kids will say, I love gymnastics. Okay, I love, I love gymnastics, mom, first, second, third fourth fifth grade and the parent says then okay I'm going to put you in gymnastics you're going to the Olympics so even if the kid goes into what they like there's Mm -hmm. that sense that the parent comes along and goes whoosh you're my kid you're the best I can't tell Mm -hmm. you how many parents of young kids you know four-year-olds who'll start to you know, ding a couple notes on the piano. Go, oh, my kid is so amazing. So amazing. Yeah. They're so yeah. good at this. They're so good at that. They're so far ahead. And I kind of understand. But again, that's the be- 
beginnings of my child is all about what the stuff that they do. Yeah. Um, would you mind sharing your own personal struggle with the sense of living a life to be somebody you, that you really weren't? Yes. So, you know, when you're basing your worth on your achievements, there is this unrelentless quest for happiness and and joy and inner peace. And what I tell the readers in my book is how many parents would come up to me after speaking events and they would say, I see the light dimming in my children's eyes because I talk about that. And some even went on to say they're cutting themselves, they're harming themselves. And I asked them, does your child have a place of refuge? Do they have an activity or um, a place to visit and go every day where they can breathe Mm-hmm. where they can do what they enjoy without being uh, graded, evaluated. Because the problem is, yeah, our, our children might love, like Avery loves to play the guitar. She loves to sing. But when I started going in and started critiquing mm-hmm. and telling her, oh, well, don't you think you should do it this way? Or you haven't practiced enough. So I'm taking what she finds joy in and I'm, I'm making it not joyful. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sabotaging that. And so I tell parents that when they sense their children are hurting, they feel despair. A lot of times they feel alone. It's like, do they have a place of refuge, a person of refuge? Because, you know, we think it's our job to be that person, that evaluate, that evaluator, that judger, that critiquer. But, you know, our kids have coaches, they have teachers, they have lots of people in their life who are going to be guiding them. Why can't we be their encourager? Right. Who, who says we can't be that person who says, mm-hmm. I love you and I accept you just as you are. I'm not going to try to change you or mm-hmm. fix you. I'm just going to celebrate you mm-hmm. and delight in you. The, one of the best things we can do is delight in our children, find mm-hmm. joy in them. If you think about people who you love to be around, the people that you can just be yourself with, that's what we need to be for our children. And we let the evalu- evaluator role be someone else's role mm-hmm. so that our children can be themselves in our presence and they can share, this is what my dream is. This is what I feel like my purpose is. Instead of us pointing them on a narrow or unauthentic path where they're only going to feel unfulfilled and hopeless. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times I think that doing activities um, parents feel that if they say positive things and they encourage them, like, Avery, you're so good. You should practice mm-hmm. more. You could really mm-hmm. be something. Encouragement can crush kids. And mm. I think it's, it, you know, I, um, our family exercises, my, my, my husband's a runner. 
I like to run and he'll run with me. And sometimes, oh, this is great. This is so good for you. Your stride is changing. And I'm, please don't say anything. I don't want it to change. I don't want to do that. I just want to enjoy it. And if I, as an adult, feel like that, imagine how a child who needs the love of a parent feels that parent acting enthusiastic about something they're doing. Right. That, That parent isn't a safe person. So really what you're saying is, let them have a place where you're not saying anything. Yes. Because the friends we love to be around are not the friends that are going, oh, that's so great. You should keep doing it. They just listen to us. And, and, you know, and, and, and that is so much of what your part, uh, what your book is about. In part one, you write about being a truth teller, not a task master. And you say that kids feel unseen and unheard. And, um, who do they want to be seen and heard by, and how can we facilitate that? So I talk about the role of the truth teller, and I came to embrace that role myself. Early on um, in my parenting journey, my daughter Natalie was around seven, and I realized that my critical inner voice had the tendency to spill out and contaminate her day and her life. That inner voice that was um, telling myself, you're not enough, Mm -hmm. would also speak to her that way. Mm -hmm. And so one day after criticizing her for an innocent mistake, I admitted a truth to her that I'd never told anyone in my life. I said, Natalie, I'm mean to myself sometimes, and that causes me to be mean to you. And it's not right. And I want to work on this. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to change. And in that moment, I noticed my daughter didn't look scared by that admission. She looked hopeful, Mm -hmm. like my mom is telling me the truth and she wants to change. And I realized all along, I thought perfect parenting was required to to raise resilient, capable kids But really, what's required is that we show up as our true authentic self, the stumbles, the mistakes, the flaws, so that we can show our kids how to also become resilient, capable, and human. Mm -hmm. It's all about being human. And so when we model that, we give them permission to be human, and then we're navigating these tough areas that we didn't have to navigate as teenagers, we're doing it with them, not from up above here like Mm. I know it all because we don't. We don't Mm. know it all. And so when we can be that trusted truth teller who accepts them for who they are because we are learning to accept ourselves for who they are, then we can do this together. You know, I love that and it makes a lot of sense. One of the the things that I've seen happen, you know, I went to an all women's college in the 70s and feminism was just sort of beginning to take off. And um, then over the past, over the, the ensuing 20 years, I think what happened is the list that women created in their minds of all of the things they needed to excel at became very long. Not only did we have to have great professions and, you know, great kids and the right husband and the right house, we also had to be perfect at all of that 
And we yeah. had to lose those last 10 pounds from the baby fat. Right. You know, and, and if we are constantly feeling we fall short of what we are one of ourselves, mm-hmm. our kids are going to feel the exact way because our kids know our hearts because that's what they want. Yeah. And we can't buffalo them. And so I love this whole idea of saying, you know what? I don't, I don't treat myself very well in my head. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm doing to you. It makes mm-hmm. a kid feel, you mean, it's not my fault, mom. And, yes. I th- and then I think you can work on that together. You go on to write that kids feel micromanaged and adrift. What do you mean by both of those? So micromanaged is, I heard a lot of kids tell me that They are capable of making decisions. They are capable of doing tasks for themselves and need the freedom to make mistakes. So the micromanaging is just the life skills, the the skills of every day that a lot of parents are doing for their child, either because they want to get it done faster or or more efficient or they don't want to hear the whining or the complaining or because Bobby's got such a busy schedule, I'm going to do these household chores for him or I'm going to pack his sports bag and his snack and the things that they can do for themselves, the parents are doing for them and that is an injustice. It is sending a message that I don't think you're capable and is not setting them up to be independent in life. So that's micromanaged. And then you have a drift. A drift is what we're feeling because of technology. So you know how it is. You get on your phone and you think, I'm going to answer this text or I'm going to go check Facebook. And then an hour later, you know, you've drifted to all these places and you thought, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. So kids are are also saying, I love my phone. I can't imagine living without my phone, mm-hmm. but I need boundaries. I need help in ma- managing this because I do feel like I'm not tethered to real life. Mm-hmm. I'm tethered to all this stuff out there. So that is how things that we need to know that they may not tell us they want help with that. Mm-hmm. They might not tell us they want limits and guidelines, but they need it. Mm -hmm. And they want it. Absolutely. You know, to the first part of your answer, what I see is that and this is fairly new again, in the past 20, 25 years is that moms, in particular, want to be needed. And I think that goes into a lot of I'm going to do all your laundry, I'm going to do this for you, that for you. And that's if you do that to a teenage boy, A, you're setting his wife up for a miserable life, and B, more importantly, um, you're not letting him grow into a man, and that can be devastating, you know, for for boys. And so, I, I, but I, I do love this sense that you know they're adrift, and 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 they they do they're just kind of moving farther and farther away from parents. Mm -hmm. Um, um, You have some chilling quotes from kids. Mom and Dad, I want you to see the amount of stress and pain I deal with all the time. My mom is really great and loving me, loving towards me and the same with dad, but they don't know what my dream is and they've already taken it away from me. They just don't know it. Parents don't know what's going on inside of their kids' heads. 
Parents, I hope you're enjoying our conversation with Rachel. We need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more of our conversation. So how can we, you know, in addition to what you've just talked about, Mm -hmm. how can we, A, see what we're doing to our kids and B, see past what they're showing us? Because I hear this all the time. My kid's the happiest kid. She gets along with friends. She's got this. She's got that. Mm -hmm. She's never given me trouble. And on the inside, this kid is being feeling crushed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many times I don't mean to really scare parents, but I see this, you know, kids will cut or commit suicide or try. Mm-hmm. And it sort of hits parents sideways because as everything mm-hmm. was fine, but clearly on the inside, it wasn't. So what mm-hmm. can we as parents do to do our best to get inside our kids minds and hearts mm-hmm. so that we do see what's going on in there? Well, you you mentioned time at the beginning, and I just, that is so crucial. We've got to spend time with our kids, and sometimes with teenagers, they may act like they don't want to spend time with you, but if you say to them, on Saturday, I want you to be thinking about what you'd like to do together because I want to spend time with you. And who doesn't like to hear, I want to spend time with you. We've got to create these basically uninterrupted segments of time. And if that means leaving your house and getting away from your house and distraction, make that a priority. Mm -hmm. Um, The second thing would be, Drop your own agenda about what you think you need to talk about, what you think their answers need to be. And one thing that I did that I think helps a lot of parents is I stopped asking performance-based questions of my children. And I just started checking in with their heart. I stopped talking so much. I realized I needed to talk about 20% of the time and I needed to listen about 80% of the time. So to be that safe place for them where they can say how they feel and not be judged, you know, you're not going to hear what's going on with them. If you're constantly coming back with a response or judging what they say or having a solution, you don't have to fix it. Mm -hmm. They don't want you to fix it. They just want you to listen and show that you you love them no matter what like you said match your words that i love you no matter what with your actions mm-hmm. um you know and it, it's it's so much about our response our response to their failures our response to um their their misbehaviors you know to be as calm and as matter of fact with them shows that we are a safe place when they're having the best day or the worst day we're still there we're still with them we still believe in them Mm -hmm. and that's how we become that trusted confidant 
Well, to be people too, parents where our kids aren't afraid to open up and talk to us because they're afraid of what we're going to say or what we're going to like yes. or dislike. You know, you would never go to somebody if you felt that they were going to look down or they're going to comment or they're going to criticize or they're going to fix. You really yes. want to talk to somebody who's just quiet. You know, yes. I, I, even with me, with my husband, I say, you don't have to say anything. Just at the end of the day, mm-hmm. say, how mm-hmm. are you? And, and that's it. And then just yeah. let me talk. And I yeah. think, you know, sometimes a lot of a lot of kids want that. And, um, you know, another thing that's a pretty sensitive subject, but I'm going to bring it up anyway, because you and I are all about helping kids is that kids don't get enough time with their parents. Um, I think the average child spends something like 45 minutes a day with their kids. I, I you know, I'm not a hundred percent, but a mm-hmm. whole lot less than they do doing all their other stuff. Yeah. And a lot of it's because parents have insane work schedules. Parents literally just mm-hmm. aren't there. They're, mm-hmm. um, you know, shuttle from activity to activity, daycare to something nanny did this and and life is so frenetic and i think that if kids truly it's like a good marriage if you don't spend time with that loved one if you don't spend time with your kid the message they get is you just want to push me away and and i know that's hard to hear for single moms who are working a lot and i'm not coming down on them because they're doing the best they can. So mm-hmm. do your best to make it up somewhere. You know, say on yeah. Saturday, sorry, you're not going to be out all day Saturday. I want you. I just want to hear from mm-hmm. you. You know, mm-hmm. we haven't really talked. So, but I think that that is so important that parents should spend more time with their kids during the week than they do away from their kids. Um, if possible, you know, change your work schedule. It's not forever. You know, your kids do grow, but I do think that time invested in a relationship, Mm -hmm. um, is, is really important. You tell parents to be a guide and not a half listener, a guide. So what is the difference between a guide and a half listener? So a guide is someone who doesn't necessarily have the answers. And we've touched on this a little bit. Um, a guide is someone who's kind of, I'm on this path with you. I, I, I've, I'm kind of have a little more experience. So here we are, we're going to navigate this together, but I don't have all the answers. Um, that's, that's really key. And a guide in my definition, is someone who's willing to have those hard conversations. So we just talked about how do we get our kids to open up and how do we know what they're thinking? Well, that means we have hard conversations about mental health. My dad struggled with mental health. I struggle with mental health. My daughters know depression runs in our family. It was a conversation I started many years ago with them as much as they could understand. And I wanted them to not come across feelings that were scary and uncomfortable and say, something's wrong with me. I wanted them to say, oh, I'm feeling really sad and it, and it won't go away. Mom and I talked about this. Mm-hmm. And so a guide is there to say, here, let's talk about this so that when you encounter it, mm-hmm. it won't surprise you. You won't feel ashamed. You'll feel like, 
I can turn to my mom or my dad. Mm -hmm. You know, that's so important. And to communicate your kids, and this is hard for a lot of parents, um, that no topic or conversation is off limits. Mm. And I know a lot of parents balk at me because one of the things I talk a lot about to teenagers and kids is sex. And that is (laughs) one area that parents do not want to talk to their kids about. But I said, look, your kids are being talked to. Every oh, yeah. day, over and over. You have to join the conversation and you have to talk. You have to give them your view um, yeah. and you have to listen to what they, but it's so frightening for parents because they're going to, f- they're, they're afraid they're going to find out things they just don't want to know. So they don't go there. But I, I love what you say. You just got to be willing to go in those hard places. One of the things that you did, um, I don't know if you did it with all of your kids, is that you had that talk time. Oh, my God. You know, I I had that with my mother, and it Mm. just meant the world. And I knew, and it wasn't long, 10 minutes. No, exactly. Two times a week. I knew that she had set aside time for me to Mm -hmm. say whatever I needed to say. And sometimes I had something to say, but a lot of times just knowing that I had that opportunity to say it made me so much less afraid. And that is a very simple thing that you do. So talk to parents about doing that and how you did it and what it looked like and what your experiences with your kids were. Sure. Um, Talk time is one of those undistracted rituals that I strongly, strongly encourage people to have just have one or two daily rituals that are free from the distractions of the modern age. And our talk time kind of happened by accident. Natalie was around four when she started asking and she called it talk time because she wanted to talk and wanted me to listen. And she would ask some pretty, some pretty deep questions about the the reality of the world mm-hmm. and but i but i chose to be honest with her about her questions and we did that every night for 10 minutes we did it i would say till she was at least 14 mm-hmm. she's 16 now she still i'll still go into her room every night we don't have talk time but sometimes she'll say lay with me mom mm-hmm. And I I noticed during the quarantine time when her anxiety was kind of heightening, she'd she'd ask for that. Can you come lay with me? Mm -hmm. And it's a connective ritual that our kids can count on. They they can see that they're valuable, that we would set aside this, but it grows that bond that you need to have with your child. And they need to know this happens every night or almost every night. And I can count on having this time of, for my parent to just be there with me. Mm-hmm. And, and we, don't, we don't even have to talk. We can just lay together. And so that is one ritual that really, I, I attribute that to the reason I'm close with both of my daughters is because we, I did that ritual consistently as they grew and it's just a way to check in. Mm-hmm. And if you have to apologize for something, that's a perfect time. And and uh, with my younger daughter, who's less forthcoming about what's going on with her, sometimes in the dark, when we're alone, I do get to hear things that I wouldn't ordinarily get to hear. So you need to make space mm-hmm. 
-hmm. for that. And sometimes it's like the last thing that comes out of her mouth is I'm about to leave. And then she says, oh, by the way. Always. Yeah. (laughs) Always. You're not going to get out of there that fast. But I'm so thankful that we have that ritual in place and that she knows this is an opportunity for me to share. So I'm glad you brought that up. Well, I I loved when I read it because I thought, wow, that takes me back because my mother and Mm. I did that for years and years and years. And I I looked forward to it. Um, I loved it. And as you're talking about in many ways, though I really respected and looked up to my mom, she was no pushover. Um, In many ways, she was just a tough bird. but I, I knew that I could bring anything to her, and she was, in a sense, my refuge. Beautiful. She was the one that if I had anxiety or an issue, rather than back away, she moved in. She didn't say, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? She just sort of moved in and just was there and say, you know, I don't, you haven't been yourself lately. What, what mm. is going on? But that really safe person. And I think a lot of times that's really tricky for parents to get. And yet it's very, very simple. It's a time that you set it apart for your kids. They know they can rely on. You can mm-hmm. talk about anything and you're not going to preach to them. That's not your teaching time. Right. You know, that's not the time for you to sit down and say, why are you not motivated to do your schoolwork? That's not that time. That's Good. your time for, for that. So, um, yeah, well, your book is fabulous. Live, love now, relieve the pressure and find real connection. Um, My guest has been Rachel Macy Stafford. And Rachel, this has been so wonderful. We really are kindred kindred spirits because, (laughs) you know, I'm behind kids going, please, please, please see, you know, who's in your life. Um, But I just want to encourage every parent, whether your child is two or even whether they're 20, and they don't yeah. want to talk to you, or if they do want to talk to you, you can build a much deeper connection with your kids. So thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Now on to my points to ponder. One, listen twice as much as you speak. You know, many kids feel unseen and unheard. As a matter of fact, many parents complain their kids won't talk to them. But kids say They want to talk to their parents, but they don't feel their parents really want to listen or hear what they have to say. In other words, they don't feel that they really matter. They believe that the only reason parents want to talk to them is to teach or preach to them. So pay attention to how you talk to your kids. Listen, listen, listen. Hear them. Then once you talk, respond to them. Don't preach. Two, never let your child feel rejected by you. You know, anxiety and depression are on the rise in kids of all ages. I see this in my practice. And at the root of these is often a sense of self-loathing. They don't like themselves. They don't like who they are and feel rejected by friends and loved ones. The best way to keep your child from feeling rejected is to pay attention to your criticism. You know, often we don't hear what we say or how we say it. We don't think about our body language. We subconsciously communicate that we don't like our kids, either because they act funny, they speak funny, they dress funny. We don't have to agree with what they do. But we must never reject our kids as a person. 
Three, teach your child resilience. Parents usually work to prevent hardship for the kids, and I get this. I did that for my kids. We want them to succeed at everything they do. We don't want them to be unhappy. This is human nature, but the problem is we never teach them how to be strong to know how much they're really capable of doing. The only way strength and resilience come is through pushing through hard times. Helping them push is our job. When they face tough issues, we need to tell them that they can handle struggles. They are strong. They can handle a breakup with a girl or a boy. They can handle getting a C in algebra. They can handle not being the best person on their soccer team. We must never bail our kids out because when we do that, we teach them that they're weak and they need us to solve their problems. Parents, as you know, I'm taking more time interviewing my fabulous guests and I will be answering your questions in special podcasts. But please, in the meantime, send your questions to me. Send them to askmeg at megmeekermd.com. Again, Ask Meg at megmeekermd.com. I want to thank my guest, Rachel Macy Stafford, for joining me today. To find out more about Rachel, go to handsfreemama.com. There you can read her latest blogs or check out her latest book, which is fabulous, Live Love Now. Once again, that's handsfreemama.com. Now let's recap my points to ponder. One, listen twice as much as you speak. Two, never let your child feel rejected by you. And three, teach your child resilience. So until next time, parents, always remember, great kids are raised not born. Hey, this is Bobby, producer of Meg Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. Thanks for listening. And because of your dedication to raising great kids, Dr. Meg's Parenting Revolution has grown to over 3 million downloads. Head on over to Facebook and Twitter and follow at Meg Meeker MD and check out what's new at MegMeeker.com. And while you're there, sign up for the newsletter to stay updated and get information about giveaways. Don't forget to share the podcast with other parents. Subscribe so you won't miss anything and leave us a review so we know how we're doing.